0: Hello and welcome to the One Football podcast. I to fly. It's a wonderful night. Tell us again you went to this East German wedding. Yeah. They
1: so- Okay, I a, hope no, nobody a, listens to a podcast that was at a wedding because well, it's <laughs> gonna be easy to know. Uh, which brought a twelve, as as 12 if, kilos. Don't worry, there are no East
2: Germans listening <laughs> to a podcast. They
1: brought a twelve kilos of raw mince. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, met, that's how it's called in German, uh, Germany. It's basically um, only salted and a few uh, herbs in it, and um, then you just have a bread roll and put it on there. And the thing is. This healthy. I suppose that is no, of in a tough. Yeah, it is. It is yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's not healthy. It's, it's raw meat, but it's actually very tasty. But um, people tend to like. It's like a competition. In the second, you start doing it, everybody like puts on more than the one before him, and it, it gets mm-hmm. quite nasty over some time.
0: I think it got quite nasty when they brought out twelve kilograms of raw meat. I oh, haven't
1: seen the rest of the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Uh, that's uh, probably uh, enough of that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Joining me, Ian McCourt, on today's One Football Podcast is Nico Hamer. Hey. Danny Isroff. Good afternoon. And Alex Mott. Hello. So when I got back from my France sojourn, I was traipsing around the country for the last couple did of weeks. Did they have a romance made in France? They did have a few, but I didn't, I didn't avail of it, really. It's
2: a bit nicer when it's French. <laughs> when it's,
0: French. <laughs> it's a bit classier, right? Yeah. I had about, I don't know, 15,000 emails waiting for me, and there was loads and loads and loads from listeners. I don't know if it was maybe Dan Burke sending them in under different aliases each week, but they really are appreciated. The address is podcast one com. Keep, them, keep sending them in and we will get to them we've got one later for all of you so gentlemen last night and the night before we saw the welcome return of the Champions League where should we start to, with this maybe the game we all watched last night the one in which Manchester United came back to win a Champions League game with two goals in the final five minutes of a match for the first time mm. since 1999 yes. so let's start it off did, did they deserve the three points no, no.
1: not at all <laughs> no. okay <laughs>
3: No, the, uh, the results definitely lied here. I thought Juventus were a much better team and over the whole 90 minutes. I think it took 70 minutes for Chesney to make a save. Um, yeah, I thought Pjanic did well in the middle of the park. He sort of ran it for for the whole game, really. Ronaldo and Dybala seem to be working really well as a partnership now. Um, and it was just sort the of last five-minute moment of madness from Juventus that cost them, really. But um, yeah, it could be the catalyst for something for Man United, but I'm just a bit concerned about them. It shouldn't take being a goal down every time for them to come back and win a game. and I know fans will say, like, the best teams win when they're not playing well, but they should be able to play well from minute one to minute 90. But they're not doing that at the moment, so...
0: Martin Keown suggested uh, this could be Manchester United's best ever result in Europe.
3: I mean, it's not even their best result at Juventus, I don't think, so... <laughs> Think we could ignore that. The '99 uh, semi-final was a bit better, uh, maybe a little bit. Yeah,
2: no, it was good to see how or good. It was very amusing to see how carried away people got because of a really scruffy goal at <laughs> yeah. the end of a game, and how the whole narrative turned on this yeah. moment of random chance. And yeah, what did I see someone on, on Twitter saying? Oh, the the best performance under Mourinho by a million miles. <laughs> it's just complete nonsense. Yeah. Sorry, somebody yeah. actually said no, one that. of the journalists, right? I think. Yeah, it was. It was um,
3: yeah. uh, I don't want to name it. Yeah. That. We we can't name someone. people. We don't name and shame on this
2: podcast. But yeah, people were going nuts and they didn't play well. They didn't even... They should have been down by yeah,
1: three or four not. at that point easily. And then this, the, those two goals wouldn't have mattered at all. But it was just... Yeah, they were wasteful.
0: I think if Kadira converts that chance in the first half, you're looking at a very different scoreline. If Quadrado doesn't... Um uh, maybe Quadrado if De Gea pull off that brilliant save from Quadrado and then it was Dybala, Dybala I think that hit the bar as he well he hit
1: the bar and uh, Pjanic had that, that uh, shot from like 30 metres out which was brilliant too
3: mm. I'm not a Juventus fan but I'd be interested to hear their thoughts on what they think about szesny um, they've obviously upgraded with Ronaldo up top, but in goal, he seems to be I, a bit of a I thought he could have dampering. been blamed
2: for both goals. His position he was
3: poor. For the, the th- it was a free good free kick, kick but, but he was in
2: the wrong place. You should yeah. have said. And then the second one,
3: he's he's, he's made a mistake. Yeah, I'd that. be interested to hear what fans think about that.
2: Did anybody notice Pogba
0: after the second goal? He did a non celebration celebration <laughs> like he had scored,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then he hadn't actually scored at all. Yeah. The worst type <laughs> I don't think anybody knew who scored in that (laughs) (laughs)
0: second.
1: Right, but I I actually thought Pogba had
2: scored because of
0: this non-celebration celebration.
2: celebration. And then Mourinho
0: celebrated like he would won the (laughs) Let's talk about that in a minute. Uh, Speaking of Mourinho, he has uh, pinned the praise on Marwan Fellaini after the game. Mm.
3: Right to do so? Um, No, not really. I think he obviously gave them a different dimension going forward when he came on. But I personally think... That that is Mourinho justifying to everyone why because mm. he'll now pick Fellaini in the derby and he'll use him playing well in the Juventus game as reason for that. That would be that's why I'm reading between the lines. I think that's why. Why does he love him so much? Because he clearly does.
1: Well, he likes a physical
0: player. Yeah. If, if you look at the Manchester United side, literally everybody is above six foot. Yeah. Yeah. Matic, Pogba, Lukaku. Um, Fellaini they're all huge and he likes big players like that he likes that physicality
3: yeah Um, but yeah I think that's Mourinho's just trying to justify to everyone why he's going to pick Fellaini in the derby in a midfield three but but we'll get to that we'll get to that yeah Yeah, 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 we'll get to that a little bit later (laughs) on
0: Um, we've two former professional footballers did you know that? no no (laughs) yeah I not know that yeah both of these are former professional footballers Uh so it would be interesting to get your take on just how good that Ronaldo goal was because it's basically a root one.
3: It's the hardest thing to do, I think. Follying from over the shoulder from a long ball.
2: The, the reason you know it's so difficult is because you see top-level players so often completely fluffing the ball in those situations and making no contact. And he managed to make perfect contact. I mean, it was it was past De Gea before De Gea had even realised yeah. he'd Everything about that like was, was past, yeah.
3: Ronaldo's movement... He's sort of completely done, Lindelof. And yeah, the finish is unbelievable. Yeah, like you say, De Gea doesn't even know it's gone past him before it has. Yeah. It's like a, like a video game.
0: Yeah. Technically, I think that's better than the overhead kick.
3: I would probably agree. Overhead kicks are a lot flashier. But they come off more often than those, yeah. yeah. Like because yeah. the f- the ball's flighted so high, so and it right. comes down, down, down so quickly. Yeah, but really I, difficult. So. But I
1: think the movement before the uh, that bicycle kick against you, that is what makes it go special. Yeah, yeah. How he drops out back from the line, and then that's what makes it to me. But
3: yeah, it was a brilliant. Yeah, goal. it was a great goal. Really
0: Champions great goal. League goals over the last eight years: Ronaldo one hundred, Manchester United ninety four. <laughs> <laughs>
3: pretty good isn't it yeah,
0: it is, yeah. okay um, one thing I did I sort of mentioned already as well that De Gea save I mean, nobody's talking about it it was brilliant off Quadrado or is it just because it's standard issue for him nobody notices it anymore
3: Um yeah I, yeah it was a good save and I, I, that for me comes back to Chesney being the Juventus keeper I wonder if <laughs> if, if United if, what have
0: you got against Chesney well days? I just think
3: if De Gea's in goal for Juventus I think they're the best team in Europe by an absolute mile
0: well I was thinking this when the the commentators that I was watching the feed on mentioned that De Gea's contract is, is yes. still up yes. is still an issue and I was thinking Real Madrid they don't need him now they've got Courtois there's no way he'll go to Barcelona because they already have a few yeah. Juventus seems like a pretty likely option yeah, for him they I mean. like
3: doing those deals where they can sort of get a player on a chief and pay them big wages so yeah it makes sense absolutely um, okay. yeah I think he's probably the best goalkeeper in Europe at the moment so.
0: um, other than the goal and Ronaldo's celebration oh my god <laughs> was, what
3: was it? <laughs> but that
1: was his abs yeah but why? Why? It look, like, I've seen him do a lot of weird stuff, but that was like the way he pulls up a shirt and then looks into the crowd and smiles. Like, I, I don't know if he was actually aware of what he was doing in that moment. Like, it, oh, it looks No, like, he knows exactly what I'm he's doing. Not sure, him.
3: <laughs> it, it looks like somebody has never scored a goal in his <laughs> yeah. professional career wow. and then just like,
1: uh, don't know what to do. I that love that. So weird. I love the celebration.
0: <laughs> so but examine. my next favorite moment was, of course, Josie Mourinho on the pitch. Yes. That was
3: brilliant, right? Uh, Pure drama it was uh, yeah I have a grudging respect for what he did I know he's getting abused because of the interconnection well he'd
0: been called son of a bitch for, a, yeah. for the entire night basically by the Italian and it fans is
3: quite, I, I'm not a massive Mourinho fan but it is quite good to see he's like being a bit cheekier now with his sort of gripes yeah. whereas before he was just miserable all the time no but I, I, have know, a, I have a kind of opposite take I think in the olden days
2: I would have said that's like typical Mourinho he's, he's fostering this siege mentality it's really clever and he knows what he's doing now he just looks like a sad kind of loser who's just <laughs> <Yeah>. happy with <laughs> yeah. you know it, it's, it, well, I, you
3: know, I it's think, like a kid on the playground who, I think like, it was sad when he put his three things up at Old Trafford when yeah. they lost 1-0 because yeah. yeah. you know you have no basis to do that yeah. when you've lost 1-0 at Old Trafford but when you want
0: no, two, it won, it's also, yeah, two <laughs> goals I think he's well with <laughs> his rights to do right, it, to fair be fairly honest okay well we all enjoyed it uh, the, <laughs> the Sun had a nice description of it today on their back page as no class which uh-huh. is a bit ironic yeah wow well,
3: yeah the lesson about
0: that <laughs> coming than, uh, from the Sun um, they were also talking about Raheem Sterling And that vicious assault on him by the grass Uh, last night—this was astounding.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't think Sterling's done anything wrong there. You can't—he's just stubbed his toe. Maybe he could have gone up to the referee and said, "Don't give a penalty." But well, this is my question: Should should Sterling have gone up to the referee and said, "Look, I actually just
1: fell over there. This is not a penalty"? So normally, I would say, "Dude, honestly, take it. Like, take the penalty." Do whatever, like, if that's what it takes to score, easy. Um, because when Luis Suarez, for example, just real quick, in the World Cup 2010, uh, saved that thing with the hand against Ghana, we all know the story. I, I was one of the persons who said, like, brilliant, perfect. Yeah, I, just, think, I thought it was a good idea so, too. But like, do it, like, as nasty as it is, if it brings you the win, do it and that's normally always my take but this thing was so ridiculous that I would say no, honestly go go to the ref and say look
0: and it's not like it's the last minute in a Manchester exactly
1: exactly
2: no but I just think he'd be criticized either way right like he'd be he's people are asking questions now why didn't he do that but if he'd done it people would say oh well that's that's not competitive you know imagine in a hypothetical magical world city had lost the game then then he'd be in real trouble right so it's
0: I think his teammates would be angry with him. Yeah, right. that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think Guardiola would have
3: been annoyed with them as well. So, yeah, yeah, he's done nothing wrong there for me.
0: Nah. nah,
1: and it was one of the best scenes of last night. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: so. laughs> now on Tuesday night, I had a choice between the next instalment of Making a Murderer and PSG versus Napoli.
2: I went from Making a Murderer. Was it, the wrong, was it the wrong one to go for? I'm trying to think of some Making a Murderer Mafia <laughs> Napoli Panda, i so. I'm going to I'm gonna have to leave that one there. Um, it, for me, it was an interesting game. It wasn't quite as good, I think, as the 2-2 that they, they, they played earlier in the season. But it was varied. Uh, the atmosphere in Naples was, was, was tremendous. I think there were periods where PSG were on top, periods where Napoli were definitely on top. And the, the momentum swings brought a, a certain level of ex- excitement. I would have liked to touch more quality. Um, but uh, yeah I think the, the, the actually the result is really nice for the way that that group is set up now it's fantastic I mean with, with Red Star beating Liverpool it's absolutely fantastic that's the best group to watch two great goals hey, oh, yeah. yeah
0: I mean for the Liverpool game yeah. and the guy whose name escapes me right now is apparently a part-time electrician but I don't know if that's 100% true
2: the guy who scored for... For
1: For
0: Red, for Red, Star. Red yeah. yeah. Uh, what was his name? I know he something was, with
2: a B. He was signed for something like 3,000 euros. That's right Yeah. Which is insane. I feel like we could sign Nico for more than 3,000 euros.
0: <laughs> well, Nico is quite famous. He gets people asking him for selfies at American football games.
1: Wow. Uh, really? Isn't that true? Yeah, it happens. Uh, it's just... Well... You know,
3: we've got <laughs> quite a few followers now. trying and to downplay. Maybe, you, maybe we should ask him for I a I never asked ask <laughs> oh. uh, His name is Milan Pavkov, by the way. Very good. For the rest of the, You knew that off the top of your yeah, head, didn't did. you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Alex, <laughs> you watched the Spurs game? I did, yeah. Um, it was one of those where as soon as Spurs got one, you always knew they were going to get a second, to be honest. Um I'd be a little bit concerned if I was a Spurs fan the way that they've started games recently they've they're just concentration all over the pitch is a bit poor at the moment Um, they look a bit shaky from in from defending set pieces which again is a bit of a worry when you've got Aldovar Davinson Sanchez you wouldn't really expect that but um, yeah once Ton took control of the game in the second half. I thought Harry, Harry Winks did really well. Um, you were about to say Harry Rednan. Well, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never say such a thing. Uh, yeah, Harry Winks played really well in the middle of the park. PSV couldn't really get near him. I thought Deli Alley was probably the best game he's played for Tottenham in, well, definitely this season. Um,
0: Which will be uh, positive for Spurs. Yeah, yeah,
3: positive for Spurs, definitely positive for England as well. Um, yeah, it was one. I was I was quite impressed with PSV. Their defensive shape was was pretty good. Um, Mark van Bommel's got them. Playing really well at the moment, but yeah, the quality of Spurs shone through in the end, really. But I bet
0: they're all just scared shitless of Mark van Bommel. Well, I
3: thought it was a bit ironic, really, that Winks was playing really well, and Van Bommel, if he was on the pitch, would have just reduced him within oh, the first yeah. five <laughs> minutes and yeah, stopped that immediately. But um, yeah, PSV were decent. Lozano was really good. I thought he just wins free kicks all the time. Um, he won't be there for much longer. No, probably, no. no, he definitely won't. Um, but yeah, like I said, once Spurs got their first goal, it sort of always looked like they were going to win it, even it, even. It.
0: Okay, Nico, you had an eye on Atleti BVB.
3: V- yeah, absolutely. Sort uh, of a
1: return
0: to the norm after the f-
1: yeah. f- almost freak result of the yeah, last it was game. a freak result, but it was the result was more freakish than the game because especially in that first game, especially in the second half, the beginning of the second half, Atletico was the better team, um, and they just yeah, they just pulled the plug for Dortmund very early. Um, Witzel and Delaney um, just couldn't get a feet on the ground in that game and was completely deserved. Griezmann, brilliant game. He kept on dropping down very, very low, um, got the ball basically in in their own half and then, uh, yeah, let the attack. Brilliant, brilliant game. Let's be honest here, Dortmund is such a young, young squad. If you like know how to play them, if you attack them properly, they're going to be in trouble. And that was just shown in this game.
0: Okay. I don't know if any of you saw the Antoine Griezmann gender release video. No, no. Wait, the what? <laughs> he did a video promoting the uh, upcoming birth of his child. Oh, and right. they did like a gender you know there's like a gender reveal sort of thing there you know these things I urge you to go look at
2: it was this the sequel to his famous yeah, decision, decision to stay uh, 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 yeah. yeah. and he should yeah. stop doing videos <laughs> yeah. and everything yeah. 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 like, he not really not should he's had a few social media gaffes in his time there's another oh, one yeah. that I'm not oh, yeah. I'm not going to
3: bring me. up <laughs> uh, yeah we won't bring that one up. Uh,
0: anybody got any crumbs of
3: comfort for Thierry Henry I'm starting to get a bit worried about him now to be honest he's not getting a reaction out of these players at all um they were just—they were so bad, so so bad. And I think it shows how good a job Jardim's done that he can just like keep this side together when it's crumbling around them. The Russian owner's looking to sell the club. He's not going to want to look for a buyer when they're in the second division. Um, and Omri's just not getting a tune out of them at all. It was such a gamble to go for a, a completely untested coach. Um, I know he obviously had his mon- the Monaco links and everything, but. yeah I think they've got to make a big decision fairly soon because yeah they haven't won since the opening day they've um, bottom of the league yeah they're not and they've got PSG this weekend that could be embarrassing Um, yeah I'm starting to really worry about Henry to be honest I think
2: just two cents it's, it's another case where we have a uh, a guy who's clearly a bright guy he, he's clearly a, a legendary player and was very good at playing football but those are not necessarily the skills that translate into being a good manager and and I think owners and and fans as well keep making this mistake of thinking that that people will automatically be good managers because they were good players and because they're they're smart and, and it's just a completely different skill set and I think we're really looking at kind of Gary Neville at Valencia yeah. 2.0 here I think Ooh. this show
3: the sort of arrogance of the Monaco board and decision makers that they their recruitment has been so good re- well over the past few years that they've thought that they can really parachute any coach they want to in and it will be fine but actually it's not I get what they did there though
1: I mean I agree I totally
3: agree a good player doesn't mean
1: good coach but um in a situation like that and it's it's a desperate situation for Monaco bringing in a player that just hypes you uh, a coach that hypes your players because it's Thierry um, that just can spark a fire you know and I think that was what like, we're going for
3: but it hasn't so when, at what point, out. what point do you then say well it's yeah. not working i so, Sam yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 Jardim of course being linked with the Real Madrid job yeah
3: and I think he'd be a good choice he'd for that. be a very good choice for that
0: oh. of course all this talk of the Champions League leads us to talk about football leaks in the news over the last few days and weeks about Europe's top clubs and what they've been getting up to behind our backs. Nico, you're all over this. Yeah. Maybe you could just give a two second background filler for, okay. uh, for all of this.
1: So, well, the Football Leagues Volume 2 um, is basically, um, this time it's more than 70 million league documents internal from football clubs, emails between players, coaches, clubs, everything, just uh, everything. And there's a the European in investigative thank you very much yeah and they've been working on that for a month to look at all the data and now they're leaking it um, over the next few weeks started last Friday and I got like it's for me it's a bit like I look at it I'm just waiting for the new stuff. Just to s- I'm like an old man, like an old man who's miserable watching football, and I'm just waiting and then to say I knew it, I knew it, yeah. I knew it all the time. It's that's like everything was better uh, back in the days, and well, the most uh, popular league so far was definitely the Super League. I'd say.
0: Yeah, that's what I want to talk about actually. Uh, so it's it would
1: be Europe's top fifteen teams. Is that right? Sixteen. Um, so technically, it's only eleven teams. Um, four, yeah, four of them from four of them from the Premier League. Two Italian teams, one German team, two Spanish teams. Mm. And, PSG. and PSG. And no and then, Spurs. And they would and they would invite five guests, guest teams, um, and they would play in the European Super League. And um, the, those guest teams are Atletico Madrid, Dortmund,
0: Marseille, Inter, and Roma. Marseille, by the way. And, and again, again Marseille. they lost to Frankfurt. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> saying it again. Again, point.
1: no Tottenham. Yeah. 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 And um, they would play each other, and the 11 founders would be in that Super League guaranteed for the next 20 years. They couldn't, like, it would always be in there. Uh, Looking looking at AC AC Milan right now, they're already, like, far, far, far off of these other teams. And the other five teams would probably have to play a relegation uh, system against upcoming teams. How these teams, though, where these upcoming teams come from, how they would qualify for the. Relegation for the playoffs uh, for the Super League, that is not really known yet. No, and the, the,
0: it would mean a cessation of the Champions League by 2021, according all according to these documents. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to make of all this. I, I, I think Super League is literally the worst idea football's ever had. I,
3: but- well, obviously if it happens, it's going to fundamentally change football forever, but I don't think it will happen. I think what this is, is a bargaining position from the top clubs for more money from the Champions League.
0: What do they need more money for? Well,
3: they've already, the UEFA have already bowed to the big leagues by saying you're guaranteed four spots. I think what's going to happen now is UEFA will then say the big clubs, no matter where you finish in the league, are guaranteed a place in the Champions League. So if you're Man United and you finish fifth, you'll be in next season's Champions League, whatever happens. I agree though. And then after that, I think, What will happen is we're going to get Champions League games at the weekend and midweek will be league fixtures because obviously bigger TV revenues, bigger ad revenues. I think that's where we're heading with this. This, I think this is just a scare tactic to sort of push FIFA a little bit more. Just
1: to show what kind of money we're talking here is, um, so Real Madrid roughly made 100 million euros in the last few years in the Champions League. They won it, right? Um, In the Super League, without winning it, they would have at least 300 million. So triple the money, and it can be more. It can be up to five times the money. So this is an insane amount of money. And let's be honest you football clubs have always has always been greedy, and they want money. They want more money,
3: especially. These but clubs. it's gonna. It will be. But sh- surely it will be so unpopular with fans of clubs that it can't go ahead. Because, That's the question. Because the, the the TV revenue depends on clubs filling their stadiums. About the product as a whole. And well, you're, you're already talking get, like a corporate get, man over there. Well, product, but you're, you're not like, going to get fans, Man United fans, travelling to Paris one weekend and then Madrid the next. And, you know, it, it works because it's the Champions League. It's, it's almost like an, it's an Americanization that's yeah, worked because you don't get absolutely.
0: a lot of away fans that say NFL games. Do you?
2: No, no, no. Well, I mean, my two cents on the whole thing is that it's a, a terrible idea. But I don't agree with you guys that it's as inevitable as you think. I think um, especially the, the comments by, was it Infantino? Uh, who said that who players that participated in this kind of uh, th- thing would would be banned from the World Cup? I, I think uh, as long as there's opposition from FIFA, and you have to give credit where it's due, occasionally to FIFA, I think it's reasonable to 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 oppose it and to do it so publicly. Um, I I don't see it going ahead, and I think I think what you said is right. I think for the majority of fans are very opposed to this idea. And at some point, that has to count for something, because fundamentally, it's the fans who are watching. It's the fans who are, I think, personally, I think we have to organize better as fans, but that's for a separate podcast. That is is true. And I agree. In Germany, they do it well, by the way. Yeah,
1: Yeah. better than in most countries. That's right. Uh, I agree, though, the, the timing of that league was very important, because there was this binding term sheet that was about to be signed this month, which would basically... Pushed that whole project Super League on another level and made it would ma- would have made it more uh, likely to happen, um, but because of the leak coming in weeks before they signed that, that's now not going to happen probably. I, I don't have to say I don't find any of the leaks particularly shocking. I just find it really
2: oh. depressing. Yeah. No, but hold on. This is, this is a thing that I have a huge issue with. It's exactly that, that we're so desensitized to the corruption of football and we expect it. And for me, that's a huge problem because it's kind of, I hate to bring politics into stuff, but I always have to because it's important to me. It, it's what happens in politics at the moment with people as well is people expect bad news. So then the p- people aren't angry about things. We should be, the stuff that Man City have done here is, is or alleged to have done, although they haven't denied it. So that leads me to believe that... that, that that they did it and the evidence is pretty strong. The things
3: that they're alleged to have done are, are really, really bad for the health of the game. Yeah, yeah, and we've got to a point now where if you're a Man City fan, you back your club no matter what. Which is another issue I have. Yeah. And that's, like, from- you, you know, just because your club's done it, it doesn't make it right.
2: This has been notable over the last few days that certain Manchester City fans have come out and said, yeah, look, it doesn't matter that our club does this, so what? Yeah, yeah here's, here's my question for Man City fans. And this is another huge issue I have, and it's another parallel with politics for me. We've become super tribal and unable to to, to kind of see the mora- morality in things. If I would like to know from Man City fans, if, if Man City created a, a, a shell company in the Cayman Islands called Etihad Money Laundering LLC <laughs> and had men in suits and sunglasses, you know, transporting cash in bags from Man City accounts to, to Etihad Money Laundering, Uh, in order to hide it from UEFA, would they be upset? And I genuinely don't think Man City fans would be upset because that is essentially what they've done. They've changed the names and it's not guys in sunglasses and suits, but that's essentially what they're they're alleged to have done. And I'm yet to see a Man City fan in real life or on social media who's remotely concerned by that. Well, Dan Burke is not here today. Yeah. I I haven't spoken (laughs) with him, but yeah, for me, it's really disturbing as a a football fan that, that, that people aren't at all uh, uh, upset by these things I think we should be outraged
0: your problem is that you're too intelligent and you can remove yourself from these things <laughs> and too many fans like you say it's, too, it's become too tribal yeah. they can't, not many people can step back and say actually this is terrible for the game regardless of my club
3: yeah.
0: I, I mean, it's the same with PSG too yeah. my favourite of all of them is the stuff that Kylian Mbappe got or his to oh, got yeah. he got a butler a driver
1: he, he's, a bodyguard is that right yeah. And bodyguard a janitor A janitor. janitor. Yeah, a janitor janitor for for his house, yeah. But I think that's...
3: uh, All big contracts will include that sort of thing. I remember Donnarumma last season, when he was going to sign for PSG, it came out that they'd offered him two penthouse apartments in Paris, rent-free, as part of the deal. Um, And then when he didn't get that, AC Milan upped his... He's now the second highest-paid player in Serie A, and he's 19, and they signed his brother as the third goalkeeper, just to keep over. And the other brother, too, the striker. yeah. Mbappe
0: is getting... Again, according to these documents, thirty thousand pounds a month for rent.
3: Yeah, Mbappe also
1: uh, had a wanted to have a clause in his. So right now he's on twelve million euros per year, and that is the max. This contract, uh, what he gets per year, and he wanted to have a clause that the second he gets, he wins Ballon d'Or, he basically is the best. Paid player in the in the squad, which would mean he would get up to thirty million over thirty million Neymar level. They didn't they didn't do that in the end. But I like it. I like the idea. He then settled, by the way, for if he wins it, he gets five uh, five hundred thousand euros immediately. And he said, well, okay, then I take that. Which is a, it's like not a good, not a good he didn't make a good deal here. And he asked for a private jet for fifty hours per per week. Didn't to, get to any go either. where <laughs> i did something you don't have, you don't even have 50 hours per week <laughs> no. it? you're, it's you're just the principle like, what we're
2: going to do it's just the principle uh it-
0: the other one final word on this was that uh, Bayern Munich had some incredible revelations about this, that they wanted to withdraw their players. Well, they looked into withdrawing their players from the German squad. Yeah, and they,
1: they just checked whether it's possible. So they were checking the Super League scenario and how to approach that. And basically all they did is they um, went to a, like a legal firm like uh, lawyers and asked them, look, just tell us. Legal, legal, legally. Uh, how will it look? Can we withdraw from the Bundesliga? Do we have to stay in the Bundesliga if we uh, create a super league? And can we technically um, not send our players to the German national team? They just checked it, and um, from all what their, um, the lawyer of the FC Bayern said, was clear very quick that it's not possible. It's okay. technically not possible. And now. the players want to play for the country. The players are yeah? well, worth more. So they, they don't, even, they, don't yeah. even don't even think about the players for a second. Then yeah. right? They just they just check whether they can. Not send them to a national team. Well, maybe the players want to have a word in that too. Hey, speaking of uh, Dortmund, why is Thomas Müller's wife apologizing to Niko Kovac? Oh, because the FC Bayern is once again… Uh, you know the nickname of the FC Bayern is FC Hollywood in Germany? And that's for a reason. So, FC Bayern this season this thing is chaos, right? It's pure chaos so far. And um, on the weekend, Lisa Müller, the wife of Thomas Müller, um, posted an Insta story when her uh, Thomas Müller got subbed in in the 75th minute, basically saying, well, it takes this guy, Niko Kovac, 70 minutes to have a good idea. Right, and that's what you posted. <laughs> and and pretty, oh, it's pretty funny. It is. <laughs> so the thing, the thing is, the problem here is that obviously she is completely allowed to do that, right? Obviously, though, it wasn't very smart. But what sparked that isn't Sexist, ugly debate in Germany with like coaches like Thomas Doll, former Dortmund coach, sitting in a TV show saying, "Well, I'm pretty sure Thomas went home and made it very clear to her that she's not allowed to do that, and that's so disrespectful, and she has to like." Which, which I saw it, and it's just yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, The reports in kicker during the week that a number of players are rebelling against
1: Kovac. (laughs) Uh, there was f- uh, four players named, I It's believe. the same news that we had a year ago with Carlo Ancelotti. Exact the same group of players. We're talking about Matt Sommermuth, we're talking about uh, Ribéry, Robben, and I guess Thomas Müller is the last one. That is exactly the group that uh, did the same thing with Carlo Ancelotti. And on top of that, it's exactly the group that underperforms for two years now. So, um, so are they going to get their way like they do with Ancelotti? They the always do. They always do. And the FC Bayern is just very loyal to the players. And I don't know why. At so this point. you don't,
0: you don't think... Kovac will be in there for much longer.
1: No, I still think that Niko Kovac is, uh, can be a good player, but he has, he has lost the team. He has clearly lost the team. This whole uh, Lisa Müller story also shows how Thomas Müller probably is speaking about his coach at home, you know? Like, she wouldn't post something like that. Um, and now this report about this uh, this players, they're clearly against the coach. So, in my opinion, he has lost the squad. And if you've lost those egos that the Bayern players have battle is over. Um, I'm pretty sure that if they don't win against Dortmund, which probably they're going to even win that game in the end somehow, but if they don't, it's going to be very, very hard for Niko Kovac. Why are Dortmund doing so well this season? Dortmund? Yeah, Dortmund, yeah.
0: Um, Well, they... Is it all down to Thomas Delaney?
1: It's Thomas Delaney and (laughs) Axel Witzel is the most important player for Dortmund this year, I'd say. Um, No, it's secretly... They've changed the entire squad. They've rebuilt the entire team. If you look at the team now at the starting eleven, there's no player left that played uh, under Jürgen Klopp besides Marco Reus. Um, they have this... Mario Goetze. Uh, well, yeah, well, he's just back into the starting lineup. That is right. Um, even though he's completely changed the, the role he plays. Um, no, it's, it's just they have brilliant, brilliant players. Um, in Jaden Sancho, in Marco Reus. Um, Marco Reus, who's probably the best Marco Reus we've ever seen. And, um, and it's managing to stay fit. Yeah, that is... Well, don't jinx it. Okay. He's <laughs> yeah, probably just got hurt in that very second. <laughs> Sorry, and, don't No, that. the Favre system just works very good because they basically, what they do at the moment is they have faces where they just Stand like, stay back and defend very well and then counter attack and then they have phases of very high pressure with guys like Sancho Pulisic who's not doing that good uh, so far uh, and Royce um, just attacking very high and forcing mistakes and um, it's just been working out brilliantly so far
0: It seems like he's brought a level of calm to the club too uh, last season was so storm-tossed and everything was all over the place and they only ended up in fourth, and now it seems wh- everything seems yeah. sort of back to back to normal for them
1: Favre has done that to Hertha and to Gladbach before, wherever he signed, um, clubs that were like a bit all over the place just got calmed down a little bit because he's just a kind of guy. He's he's such a cool dude, honestly. He just got um, asked about Jadon Sancho and the reporter said, so for an 18-year-old, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Favre's only reply was, what? He's 18? Like, <laughs> like that's, that's what Lucien Favre is. Yeah. And um, he just, yeah, he's, he's, he fits perfectly Dortmund. There's a reason why they tried to sign him for four years now. He seems like the
3: same um, sort of manager that you'd want to play for yeah, as a player. absolutely. That right. like Marco Reuss, who, by the way, worked with Thomas Tuchel,
1: Jürgen Klopp, Jogi Löw, said that by far Lucien Favre mm. is the best coach he's ever worked with. Oof. Yeah, after his Gladbach days. Wow. Okay. Jadon Sancho, top of the assists
0: chart... And four goals already to his name. It would suggest he's as good as everybody seems to think he is.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. But on the other hand, Dortmund has a history of player, players like basically exploding at a very young age. Um, Pulisic did the same, and now he honestly doesn't look as good. But yeah, um, Jaden Sancho has this kind of direct style of football that many players seem to lose over the time when they get older. And he still has this, like this... The second he sees the box, there are only two options for him. He's either, either going to score or he's going to find another player to score. Um, he's so quick, he's so direct, and he's so good with the ball. His technique is incredible. Um, so I'd say, yeah, the hype is real. The hype is real for Jadon Sancho. Um,
0: and of course, not so real for Bayern at the moment. Yeah not so real at all and I've completely lost my spot for a second because my headphones fell off let me just just get that back on a second (laughs) Uh, my next question was going to be about uh, Joshua Kimmich yeah and how Bayern are going to line up this weekend
1: Joshua Kimmich just let me bold prediction right here he's going to captain Germany and FC Bayern within three or four years I'm pretty sure about that he's the kind of guy he really wants that he's been saying it actually like I want to be Germany's captain at some point Um, Kimmich is he's going to play he's going to play fullback they're uh, not going to play him in sort of in in between no. arm to midfield. No, even you know? though that's probably yeah. his best role. Um I like him the most there, but um I'm pretty sure he's going to line up as a fullback, especially because Bayern like, they're not going to play Rafinha and Alaba as fullbacks because Rafinha is finally over it. He's not as good anymore. Um, no, Kimi's going to line up as fullback. Um, I think we're going to see very little surprises in the Bayern lineup. Robben is going to be back after sitting out the uh, Athens game and Lewandowski is going to be up front. It's going to be the same lineup that Bayern has been playing for the last 45 years. Okay, give me a prediction, Nico. Um, so...
2: I just Nico want a
1: scoreline, really. Yeah. Okay, I'd say somehow Bayern will pull off a win and that will just calm the storm for a little bit and would be like a yeah just a little how do you say band-aid for for, G- for us a, number, a stabbing a wound
0: yeah I want to score yeah okay
1: uh, I'm sorry 1-0 2-0
0: okay hey not just a big game in Germany this week it's also a Manchester derby this weekend a few weeks ago it looked like Mourinho would be working more for Russia today than Manchester United <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not really quite sure what's happened how, how he's turned it around at all does anybody have an answer for this um
3: I haven't really got an answer either, to be honest, and that doesn't help. But um, I'll give you one: it's luck. <laughs> <laughs> no, they've been. Um, like I said earlier on, obviously the comebacks are great against Newcastle, against Bournemouth, against Juventus last night. But it shouldn't take a good side to go one 0 down to then start playing. Um, I think Man United fans need to worry about how they're starting games. I mean, against Newcastle and against, especially Bournemouth, that's the worst I've seen in United team play in a long long time um, and yeah it's sort of they completely change their game plan when they when they go 1-0 down to sort of a more free open attacking style and that's completely against what Mourinho wants to do um, so you would think he'd put two and two together and think this
0: free attacking style actually gets me somewhere well, yeah, why don't they start
3: with that but yeah that's not how it's going down at the moment I think Martial is sort of the one bright light in all this he's sort of come on leaps and bounds since the start of the season so if, if United want to do well against City on Sunday then he needs to play well again um, but yeah I, I, if I was a Man United fan I'd be very concerned personally
0: still despite the scrappy win last yes night, yeah. Yeah. if any of you were in Jose's shoes how would you be setting up against this City side
3: Um. Well, I think Liverpool gave the blueprint last season, didn't they? You need to counter press. Um, you need to be. You need to win the ball back as high as possible. Um, hunt impacts, and then be wary of that big long diagonal that Edison plays from out the back. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, though. I think what he'll do is four three three. He'll play Matic, Pogba, and Fellaini as a midfield three, um, and it'll basically be seven behind the ball. Um, I mean, it, it kind of worked last season, but they went 2-0 down and came back again. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's um, Yeah, again, I just, I just don't know what Man United are doing, really. Don't know how they want to play, what they want to do. You can't go to Man City and just wait it out and hope to come away with a 1-0 win, I don't think. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Sunday's going to be really interesting. Anybody think City are better this season?
2: Than Man United.
3: <laughs> than Man United, or yeah. than they were last season. Uh, yes I do I do I think they've got Laporte's probably the best centre back in the Premier League at the moment they look much better at the back they've obviously been with Pep a year longer which helps Mendy's uh, return from injury has really helped and it's meant that he can sort of fly down the left and do some overlapping runs and Sterling can come inside where he's much better. Whereas last season, he was on the right and sort of hitting the byline and then cutting balls back, which still worked and they still have that element to their attack. But now he can cut inside. Same with Sane on the other side and with Bernardo Silva um, and David Silva as well. Yeah, they just look absolutely irresistible, even even without De Bruyne, which is we wouldn't have said that last season.
2: Yeah. I think there's maybe only one thing that they, they lose a little bit, which is there's a kind of novelty factor and an excitement psychologically with the players when everything comes together for the first time, like it was last season. They were really flying, and you could sort of see everyone talking about them the whole time, and you, you could see the excitement on the pitch. Uh, unfortunately, you can't recreate that when it's the second season of that happening. Um, so maybe they lose a little edge there, but I think I think, like Alex is saying, they're kind of more mature and more wholesome and that probably is enough to compensate they also have more points than they did at this stage last season yeah there you and
3: without, I can see them getting 100 points again
0: without, without De Bruyne as you pointed out. ok we're going to talk a lot about this on next week's podcast so, and we've already talked a lot about Manchester United uh, quick prediction
2: Danny ooh uh, 3-1 to City
3: I have here yeah, City 3-1 very
2: I would actually go with <laughs>
3: <to do> <laughs>
0: the Okay, uh, I mentioned earlier. Podcast at onefootball.com is where you can get your questions in. Paddy Conway e- emailing in and asking, "Does the panel think that NFL style markings would actually benefit football? It would be easier for the ref to see uh, to set the wall correctly. Offsides would be clearer. Less importantly, there would be less exaggeration about a forty yard screamer.
3: Well, well, LOL. That's what he the after. Uh, sprays for is for marking the wall. Yeah, so already that's, got that. So discount that sorry Paddy and with offsides it's a fluid game so that wouldn't work if there's a marker and the attacking player is a yard beyond that it would confuse the alignment even more uh, you've wait. actually thought about this well uh, I'm just no, well, I'm just no, no but now. also no. another thing is we have VAR coming at yeah. least and VAR is better
2: than markings and the second thing is uh, uh, probably you guys, uh, not, not being from America, have never had the misfortune of playing or watching a game on an NFL <laughs> field. I've seen and, it. And look, it, it it's, it's an absolute disaster, not just for watching, because it just looks terrible, but for the players, you actually don't know where it anything is. It would be confusing is. as a player, yeah. Yeah, not, not, not a good idea. Sorry, Paddy. Okay,
0: <laughs> we'll take that, Paddy. Yeah. <laughs> but you should try with another question next week you know keep trying keep keep them going Uh, last but not least on our to-do list today is MLS because we're very much at the action end of this season but without my club of choice Danny you know I like to choose a a (laughs) new new, club every month I choose a new club every season (laughs) I went with LAFC this season they're gone
2: Yes, they're, they're out of the playoffs, which can happen in MLS, but they, on the whole, had a very successful uh, inaugural season. Yeah. So you can be proud of your, your long, long time <laughs> yeah. team. Yeah. Your boyhood club. I've really thrown everything behind them. <laughs> but what's been
0: happening elsewhere, I mean, we'll start with Atlanta, because that was my team last season. And uh,
2: they had a pretty impressive win on the road in New York. Yeah, so we're up to, just for for listeners who might not keep abreast of MLS every week, uh, we're up to the, the second round of the playoffs and the first legs of the second round have already been played. Uh, so there are four teams left in each conference, conference semifinals, essentially. Uh, the winner will play in MLS Cup. Um, Atlanta are, are leading New York. They they were the best team in MLS for, for the majority of the season. They were leading the supporters. Uh, Shield race, uh, they had a little twist at the end where their manager, who's Tata Martina, Barcelona, Argentina, uh, announced that he's leaving at the end of the season and the assumption is he's going to take the Mexico job. Uh, and the, they stumbled a little bit actually after he announced that. And I, I don't know if his intention was to to galvanize them to say, "Come on, guys, it's my last few." You should have learned weeks. from Alex
0: Ferguson after he yeah, made that mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: but so they stumbled a bit. But they had a, they had a nice win uh, as you mentioned against New York City FC, and they're in a good position. I think if you had to pick a, a favorite right now to to win the whole thing, it would still be uh, still be Atlanta. Um speaking of New York teams,
0: Red Bull. Wings clipped joke.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's it. (laughs) Insert. I've I've, I've, I've heard it before. (laughs) I've seen it in headlines before. Um, Yeah, so the team that pipped. uh, Atlanta to the, the what's called the Supporters' Shield, the the, the race for the most points, uh, was actually New York Red Bulls and they're a really bizarre team because uh, they don't have any sort of recognisable names, any superstars in the way that lots of MLS teams do Whoa. I think the, the biggest name Whoa. would be uh, would be Bradley Wright <laughs> Phillips <laughs> um, who, who, yeah exactly uh, so so that says all, all you need to know um, but they very quietly set the record and really without much fuss without much fanfare, they lost their manager in the, in the middle of the season to Leipzig uh, they very quietly set the record for the most points ever in an MLS season and set a bunch of other records uh, to go along with that. And then it really speaks to how good the system is. The problem with having a good system and not very many superstars is when it comes time for the playoffs, that stuff can go out the window a little bit. And you need guys for a moment of magic here when the pressure's on. Um, and actually, they lost to Columbus the other day to uh, a goal that was created from exactly that kind of moment of magic um, from a, a guy called Federico Higuain who's Gonzalo's brother uh, who is one of these really crafty he's a a superstar by MLS standards there's no question about that Um, and, and had this lovely sort of flick to create the goal New York Red Bulls don't really outside of Bradley Wright Phillips maybe have those kind of players
0: okay talk us through the you're calling it the Cascadia Cup derby
2: uh, yeah, the, yeah, exactly what we have in the the Pacific Northwest between um, uh, Seattle and and Portland, and it's obviously a, a, a massive rivalry. I don't know if how good the geography is in this room, but those. Two places are quite quite well, they, close to each other. The guys
0: are not in their head. They yeah, know. They know. Yeah,
2: because yeah. yeah. um, so, it looked like Seattle were cruising for a bit. So yeah, I mean they were. They, they basically, I think we talked about it last season as well. They they've had the same season for the third year in a row where they were really rubbish at the beginning of the year and then absolutely untouchable for for the second half of the year. Um, and, and they looked really good, but they 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 ran into a, a Portland team who also looked strong at various points of the year. They had this long unbeaten run, and the other thing that Portland have going for them is um, they they won the whole thing three years ago and they have quite a few players uh, still from that team who have that experience they're they're a nice team and they're in a good position to go through now
0: Okay, and finally poised between Real Salt Lake still my favourite ever named team and Sporting Kansas one one after the first leg, right?
2: Yeah, the, there's not really too much to say about that. I think it's two of the, the the less exciting teams. Although the goal from Real Salt Lake was really nice from a, a guy called Albert Rusnak, so you should go Google that if you uh, if you're really bored and want to watch of those goals. <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I expect uh, Sporting Sporting to, to come through. Yeah, go through. Okay, you're t- just give me your two finalists because then we'll have you on afterwards to talk about the actual. So final. I'm historically bad at making predictions, but I would go with Atlanta uh, to win the East and Portland. I'll take in the in the West. Okay.
0: And it's a one it's a one off final, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay, that's all from us today. My thanks to Nico, Danny, Alex, and thanks to you for listening. Remember if you want to send your questions in like Paddy did and get the abuse that Paddy (laughs) did, the address is podcast at onefootball.com.